0: Check, check, you can do a sound check. And then yeah, we we'll would be an official recording ah. artist.
1: Ah. Go. Here we are. <laughs> here we are. We're excited. Yep. This morning. Yeah. Surprised
0: to see all the Wilsons up. Why'd you guys get up early this morning? Usually I get here, it's just... Well,
2: uh, be, because I'm just so used to waking up so early that I just am used to it now.
0: What time do you wake up in the morning for mm, school?
2: Like 7.20, maybe. 7.30. 7.30, yeah. So we woke up
1: this morning. Go randomly wake up. Then, uh... Get out of bed. He not always sleeping. good. And Shiloh has uh, that art thing tonight, her art booth. So Art she's booth kinda, number two? Yeah. You
0: know, last time we recorded, it was the first day of her art booth.
1: Yes, yeah, I got my mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd got my set yeah, up. Yeah, you went set up. So, went really well for her. And so, uh, yeah, she's doing another one. So, she's all motivated to get stuff done with that. So... There you go. And that's why the kids aren't sleeping till ten. <laughs> so, all right, here we Easy. are. We're gonna do the Pokemon update. Mm-hmm. All right, let's do the Pokemon update. And then you okay. Uh,
2: okay.
1: got the Jax puppy distracting you.
2: I got okay. So the Pokemon card is Skyther. It evolves from no Skiller. It evolves from Skyther. Scyther is its first stage. It has 130 hit points. It's a metal type. It's a pincer Pokemon.
1: Wow. It looks pretty cool. It
2: says it right there. Yeah. And its attacks are Raid, which does 30 plus damage, and Guard Claw, which does 90 damage. Its weakness is Fire, which does a 20 plus damage and um, its resistance is grass which does 30 minus damage. Okay. Um, it's a rare. Its thing is once it has identified something as an enemy it will continue beating them with its steel hard pincers until there's nothing left but scraps.
1: Wow, that sounds kind of brutal. hmm Okay. Well, that sounds... Uh, brutal. Brutal, for sure. So what else, man? Anything else this mm-hmm. week? Any other updates? You had school? I did.
2: Um...
1: You had two days off this week. For what reason? I don't know.
2: I usually have
1: two days off. No, you had Monday and Tuesday off, too. So, cool. but anyways, yeah, I don't know. Typical week for Z, that's good. Yeah, no,
2: it isn't. I found out something at school. And
1: well, what'd you found out? Oh, <laughs> he has a girl that <laughs> like, might like him. Oh man, oh he man, does. does like him
2: because I like her, but at recess, I, I heard her whisper to her friend no I heard her friend whisper to her is that the boy you liked like and pointed to me and then she was like yeah
0: that's cool
1: yes it started with the uh, apple stem uh, coming off of her apple and that meant that she had to marry Z when she got older because she was doing like the saying people's names and, and she was twisting and it and she's twisting it and so, I was like, you know, she might have manipulated that a little bit. She yes, might like it. It's not an exact
0: it. scientific method. No,
1: but it got the wheels turning, and all of a sudden, he was like, yeah, maybe she does like me, because she's... And so, yeah, it was kind of funny, but now we've got confirmation that maybe it wasn't just chance.
2: On a test, when she's doing a test, she usually just looks up at me and smiles at me. And also, when she's looking at, like... When I'm back there, she's like.
0: What's this girl's name?
2: Uh, her name is Delilah.
0: Delilah?
1: Yeah. Cool. Exciting times. Exciting times. Oh, yeah, and. Second grade.
2: We, I actually also got a new Lego set for, with Kylo Ren in it.
1: We did get that last night. Just a little something mom saw. She had some Cole's cash. She needed to spend that yeah, coles, man. They know how to keep you coming back. Yes, they do. <laughs> so, yeah. she just had to go in and she had oh, cash. Oh, because it's going to so expire. expire. So and they know so. when they get yep. you in the
0: door, the odds of you just spending that coles cash are pretty low. You'll probably see something else. that will be no. like, oh, I could use this and no. justify it. Oh, yeah.
1: It's, yeah, they're smart. They know oh, what yeah. they're doing. They know Ma- what they're doing.
2: Ma- Mom said that she saw a Lego set with General Grievous in it. Mm. But
1: oh, it was cool. $30. Yeah. Well, right on, buddy. Well, We're going to get talking. I and got, I
2: got a new Swiss...
1: Oh, yeah, you um, got a new knife. New multi-tool. New multi-tool.
2: Swiss Army Knife multi-tool, We had
1: to talk about the difference between tools and toys. And I
2: got a really bad cut.
1: It's not really bad, man.
2: It's just a cut that kind of hurts.
1: It's like a bad paper cut. So... But yeah, I want to hear about Rob's Rambo training adventures. So. I want to hear that too. No, you need to go do your thing. So Thanks, dude. Alright, man. Thanks for the update. See you in a bit.
2: Remember in the intro, I was like, bah.
1: Yeah. Alright, buddy. <laughs>
0: <sighs> Alright.
1: Yeah. He's fired up. The adventure's E. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of
0: energy in the house this morning.
1: Yeah, dude. Good. He's. uh Yeah got enough for all of us and then some <laughs> so he's just been really bouncing and talking you guys always gets so excited when you get here that's he's, good he's got someone else to talk to Mhm. so someone
0: else to share all the new info with
1: yeah that's funny you weren't even like in the door yet like bear like dogs are still jumping around you're trying to put your stuff down and he's like i got this new lego thing let me show you this do you know who this is yeah look at this oh yeah check this out
0: that's good. I'm, I'm glad that he's excited to see me as opposed to running away and hiding.
1: So. Yeah, no, no, it's good, man. could be the other way. There's that, that saying, like, you can tell what kind of a man a man is uh, or a person a man is by how their kids and dog greet them when they walk in the door. So the kids and dog like they you. both so. like me, so yeah. that's a good sign. Yeah, man. I would, I would say so. Heck yeah, dude. All right, so, so Rambo training. Yeah,
0: dude, it was awesome. So it was a defensive handgun course. Yeah, it went. So Friday, it was a Friday night, all day Saturday, all day Sunday thing.
1: Where did you do it at?
0: Um, at the Rocky Mountain Gun Club.
1: Okay, that in that that uh, the gun room that they have. Yeah, or? well, so
0: there was there's, there's upstairs. Oh, anyway, yeah. No, it's the, upstairs. There's a classroom. There's a couple classrooms mm. that they have set up there for this purpose. And then, downstairs there's you know there's like an archery range, mm-hmm. there's a gun range, and on the very end, there's a tactical gun range, yeah, which is set up for this type of stuff we were doing, you know, and then someone like Adam the guy who run the course, he can rent it out um so that was our gun range for the weekend, but so Friday night was all just classroom it was like five hours, four and a half hours of classroom time, and that technically is all that's required to get your um CHP, which is Concealed Handgun Permit, or CC, they don't call it, I don't think yeah. it's even called, it's commonly referred to as a CCW, but they, I believe the technical term is CHP, if I remember right, because tech, if you want to get into the legalities of things, like a CCW is just like a, what is it, a carry concealed weapons permit, so that would be more than uh, a handgun. Yeah. A concealed weapon could be a samurai sword. Do you want to put a katana? Under my trench <laughs> Under your trench <laughs> Technically, that would be a concealed, carry concealed weapon. Uh, so, I believe in Colorado it's a CHP permit. Mm. So, it's concealed handgun permit. Mm, okay. But, anyways, so that is the only requirement to get a. Because you have to have a, a certificate saying you completed a class and you've got to take that to the county. And then the sheriff determines whether you can get the permit or not. It's, it's not a guarantee. Yeah. Um, so that's the first night. We'll get into it. Like, that's a little disconcerting because there has to be no training that goes into having a permit. You know, you can just, because technically all the law states is that it doesn't even say what the course has to, the content of the course. All the law states here in Colorado is that you have to have a conversation with a certified instructor. So, for example, let's say you were a certified instructor. Mm-hmm. I could come over and have a conversation with you about Pokemon. Mm-hmm. And if we're buddies, you can say, "Yep, I had a conversation with him." And sign off on the certificate. I can go down to the sheriff's office and apply for my permit. Interesting. There's no so. There's no course requirements. All it says is that you have to have a, con- a conversation with a certified instructor. That's it doesn't have a time limit, doesn't have content limit anything. It just, huh. So it's a little funny, but uh that's not what Adam did for, for, because Friday night um there was like probably 35 40 people in that class and then, and that was and then when we returned Saturday morning because in Saturday morning we spent like the first 2 or 3 hours in the classroom and then the whole rest of the day it went from 8:30 in the morning until Man, Saturday, we didn't get out of there till like 6.30, mm. give or take. And the first couple hours was classroom things. And then all the rest of the day was on the range. And there was only uh, 13 of us. Uh, stayed for the stayed whole for course. Stayed for the whole of the training yeah. course. You know, it was me and Nate and then uh, 11 other people. But, uh, and then Sunday, it was like four hours in the classroom. And then the whole rest of the day. And do, we didn't leave Sunday night until 30, 8 o'clock. Oh, man. It was intense, man. There was a lot of a lot of information. It really just goes to show you how much you don't know.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: And I'm really glad I did it. And I'm going to do a lot more training. Like, I'm going down this. This is – I really see the more I'm getting into it, man. I, I see being proficient with firearms I see it as being a really valuable human skill. Just being a yeah. good... Like being able to run, being able to swim, you know, these basic survival human things. Yeah. Dude, being proficient, comfortable around handguns is... I put it right in that category. Like it's something I... I didn't realize how inadequate and in what I didn't know. I mean, yeah. I, knew I, I knew I didn't know because I hadn't had any training. I haven't done it. I knew, but now I really know, you know, and actually, so I like after the course... I'm kind of getting derailed, but anyways, like I'm I'm gonna do more training. Like, cause I'm already signed up for Tim Kennedy's course in May. Yeah. But that's not gonna be enough. Like, I need more training. But you know, these training classes aren't cheap. Yeah. You know, like so it's not something I can afford to do. I can't just go do a five hundred dollar class every month. You know, it's just on top of spending the money on ammo, it's just not you know viable. But so I I hit up Adam because you know I me and Adam go back a long ways. We used to teach CrossFit together, work out together all the time. I've known that guy for. 10 plus years and as i came in uh i got an idea i want to present to you i was like when you do these handgun classes would you want a range helper like a range bitch i was like if i could come in and it's not something i'm gonna do every time you have a class or even you know all weekend but like maybe on one of the days like on a sunday i could come in and while you're up in the classroom that monday that sunday morning i could go in and set up all this, the targets and Get everything all set up for you. And then, then because when we do a ton of shooting and there's spent shells, spent casings all over. So in between, like when people have to go reload magazines, I could sweep up all the shells for them. And in return, if there's a space available in class, I could get a little bit of training in, maybe do some of the shooting drills. If not, just even observing, watching yeah. him correct people, watching the mistakes these people are making and, and watching him correct would be extremely beneficial. And uh he had never thought, he's like, man, that would be... really good idea so i I might be able to do that nice man me and him still still have to talk you know get the details worked out and see if see if it's gonna work or whatever but he didn't seem completely opposed to it he's like no it's really as a man as i could free you up that way you you could spend more time with the the class would go faster because you wouldn't have to do some of the bullshit you know because we shoot up a target and then he wants to put up a new style target that all takes time because allocations got to get swept up. You got to get all the new targets out, staple them up to the thing. Like it's, yeah. It takes a, and it's a process. He, it's a process, man. It's not – and so he's doing all that himself.
1: Yeah.
0: And I was like, man, I can take care of all that bitch work. That's interesting. And then that way you could – if you wanted, needed to eat, you, you could take time to eat. If you need to babysit some of these newbies over there at the table, reloading their magazines, you know, handling the firearms in an unsafe manner, <laughs> you, could, you could be over there babysitting that. And I could just be doing all the bullshit, so – and I get free training in return. Yeah, or, or at least heavily discounted training in right. return. Right. Huh. So. Yeah. It's huh. fun, man. It was very valuable, and the fact though that like so many people just showed up for the that three hour class, four hour class, whatever it was, and then they go get their permit. Yeah. And they're not pursuing any other training. Like. Yeah. I, I, if you're gonna do to, to carry, like if you're gonna decide to conceal carry, that is a big decision. Not only should you have proper training, because a lot of people don't think about the aftermath, like and all they go because in this day and age, if you pull out your firearm and use it, you're gonna end up in court, mm-hmm. and you may be getting criminal charges brought against you, and maybe probably probably even civil charges. You know, like because if you kill the guy you know, the attacker or whatever, like his family may try to sue you. If he lives, the odds of him suing you are extremely fucking high if you look up any self-defense cases. Um, so there's a huge aftermath. Like, and you have to take all this into consideration. Mm-hmm. You know, and... Yeah, there's so many things. I could talk about this for hours because there is. There's so much to think about. Because like, a lot of people paint the picture like oh if you're going to decide to you know, be a concealed carrier that you're out there trying to be batman trying to stop robberies and all this like no man the idea is just to protect yourself because there's a lot of times where you can be a concealed carrier and if something is going bad you don't have to pull your firearm and try to save the day and stop like you can just get the fuck out of there yeah or just choose not to let anybody know that you have a firearm and just deal with it like if no one's dying if you're not getting killed or you know your family's not getting killed, you know, yeah. possibly getting killed. Just let the let the situation play out, and then you go about your day. You don't you're not out there, tr- you know you know uh, live action role playing, trying to be a wannabe cop. You know, because that's yeah. what a lot of people paint the picture. You know, concealed carriers are like a wannabe cops. Like nah, I'm sure there is a lot of those assholes out there. But responsible people—that's not the situation. You just
1: want the ability to protect yourself. I and mean, now, what we want, though, we want to defund the police and have like who's <laughs> going to take the fucking place? We're going to have wannabe cops. Like so, I, I, it's again the confusion. But no, yeah. I uh, no, I hear you, man. It's that's a good point. It's um the uh, since um, it's funny since I started watching Cobra Kai, which I got through the Did rest of it. It's pretty fucking. It's a great show, but man, you know, it got me all fired up on. The self-defense shit mm-hmm. especially for the kids because like you know uh, jiu-jitsu is a self-defense art yep you know it's not a fucking just a sport deal like what we're showing these kids could save their life one day and so like you have a responsibility if you're coaching kids or adults you know if you're coaching people with jujitsu, like you have a responsibility to you know make sure they got the tools that they need to handle situations properly and so you know and like the number one thing the number one form of self-defense so i can run away run away right and it's, it's like i keep hammering in their heads the idea is like you you're not trying to win a fight you're trying to not lose yep. a fight that's it and can you lose a fight you were never in nope nope
0: that's the best way to win a fight. It's the best
1: way to win a fight. Not get in it. Exactly.
0: Situational awareness and just get the hell or out of it. Or just
1: get, if you do have to get in it, you're not there to win it. You're there to not lose it. So you're trying to get out of it as quickly as you can. Yep. You know, like that's, uh, again, you get a fucking good takedown on somebody. It's like, and you can, like you get the fuck out of there. Yep. You're not sitting there like, oh, I'm going to mount this guy now. And, yeah,
0: and that's, you know, that's what they talk about in like handgun defense. Classes. Yeah. You're, you know, it's not, you don't shoot to kill. You shoot to stop the threat. Yeah, that's it. Once you've stopped the threat, yeah, you're not trying to win a fucking. You're not trying to win a fight. A you win fight. Yeah, same thing with a fight. You're not trying to beat this guy and win in the judge's eyes. You're not trying I, to maim him for the rest of his life. You are literally trying to stop the threat. Once the threat is stopped, yeah, your your job is done. Yeah, you know, and that, obviously we can get into the details of that. I'm not saying train to shoot somebody in the leg. That's not no. Your best way to stop the threat is you know yada yada. We can get into that.
1: But yeah, no, you
0: your, yeah. Your goal is to stop the right. Threat. Yeah. That's it. Yep. And the best way, like you said, the best way to stop a threat is don't engage with it.
1: Yeah. Yep.
0: Not don't be there.
1: Yeah. So it sounds kind of similar, like as I'm hearing you talk about yeah. it, it sounds like, you know, that mindset just, it, it goes over to, you know, the handguns, yep. you know, too. It's like, man, you're not trying to win a fucking gunfight. No. You're, <laughs> you're trying to not, not lose not a gunfight. Yep. And the best way to do that is never fucking get engaged in one. Yep. And Or, you know, if you have to, try and disengage as quickly as possible with as minimal uh, force is necessary, but yeah, at the end of the day, sometimes you do got to beat somebody's ass. (laughs) I mean, it's the only way for you to protect yourself. Uh, and if that's the situation, you know, same thing, but you got to know those consequences, you know, same thing with the kids, man. It's like the difference between like having your hands up and your, and your hands are open versus having your hands up and they're balled up in a fist. Yep. And it's like, man, it's, it's so close. They're so similar, but this hands open is a completely different message to to them, to people from the outside looking. And you got to consider that. Like as soon as you ball your fist, you are considered the aggressor. Exactly. And now things change. And but so, if like, you
0: put your hands up saying, hey, I, I teach that when I've taught self-defense. Like, that's
1: where I got it from you yeah, from.
0: Yeah, you can you can put your body into your normal fighting stance, you know, your staggered fighting stance, hands up, everything. But as long mm-hmm. as your palms are open and you're saying, hey, man. But my hand, like literally it's just the difference of closing yep. my fist, opening them. It's such a different message. Like, hey, I don't want to fight. Please back up. Like, this is it. Please just stop, stop. As opposed to you put your hands. That's saying, come on. You can be saying the same words, but if someone's videotaping that
1: and then it goes to court. Totally different.
0: Totally different, man. Bad deal. Yeah. (laughs)
1: And you got to know that if you're going to engage, if you're going to employ your fucking self-defense skills, whether, you know, again, it it sounds like some similarities. Like, whether it's a gun or whether it's your jujitsu or whatever it is, like, you need to know... The ramifications of what your actions are and how to handle those things appropriately, because there is an aftermath there is an to aftermath. it. And if you don't approach, if you don't understand that and approach the situation properly, like you may end up fucking yourself over, uh, you know, in as you're as you're doing it or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, does that sound? Yeah, like dude, and
0: dude. There's so much to consider. Even so, even like, yeah, dude. He talked a lot about this, and you know, for example. You gotta think about the image you're, you you portray, just in your everyday life or your interactions on social media, the clothes you wear, you know. Because like for example, let's say you get into a self defense situation, whether you know, and let's say it's a handguns involved and you take somebody's life, you end up in court. Well, when they when the cops show up initially at the time of the event, they're gonna like you got they're gonna take pictures of you from the front. They like make you put your arms out and they're gonna take pictures of your front side back. And so if you got you know, this T-shirt on with it like a, an American flag and an eagle and the eagle's got a fucking knife in one hand and a gun in the other and it says, you know, make my day on it or something. Even if you were in the right, you know, the prosecuting attorney is going to pull that picture up in court and show it to the jury like, look, this guy was looking for a fight. He wanted to. He was looking for a reason to take somebody's life. Yeah. You know, he wasn't just defending himself. You know, they're, they're going to paint you in the worst light possible. And so you got to take all these little things into consideration, man. Yeah. If if it goes that far, which in this day and age it very well could, what is the image you portray? You know, do you got a picture of, instead of the stick families on the back of your car, do you got a picture of the big machine gun, the little one, the little one representing your family? Guess what? They're going to send private investigators. They're going to come take pictures of the stickers you have on your car. They're going to scour your your social media and they're going to find all the posts you like. You know, they're like, America, fuck yeah, you know what I mean, yeah. and all this shit, and they're going to bring that up, and they're going to just assault you with it, and that's going to weigh against you. Yeah. You know, that could definitely turn the tide in the jury's eyes, you yeah. know, and they're, they're going to try to get people on that jury that think opposite of you. They're going to try to get people that are anti-gun and freak out in the sight of guns, and they, you get enough of them on that jury, and they paint the picture right, even if it was justifiable. You might end up in a box, you know, a steel cage. Yeah. So it's yeah, there's a ton to think of. It's a heavy thing, man. Like it's not a decision to take lightly. And if you're gonna get into firearms, dude, training, fucking training. You, you, yeah. You have to train.
1: Yeah, that's the thing, man. Like if you're gonna do it and like take it seriously, it's uh, you know, again, like I'm, it's still like something. It's on my radar. Something I'm gonna do, but like, just like I've considered. It's like fuck, dude. Like if I buy a gun, I need to train. Yep. And so I got to find the time to train. Yep. I, you know, I don't want to, so like this, it's part of my consideration. I'm trying to like, you know, uh, I don't want to just buy a gun. It's not just a gun, man. No.
0: There's so much more that goes with it.
1: Yeah. 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 I mean, it gotta be, it's a, it's a new set of skills. It's just like anything else. It's like, you know, if you're going to, yeah, like you don't, you don't realize everything that's there. Like you're saying, like you don't even know what you don't know. (sighs) But if if you're going to go down that road, like it is just like jujitsu, man. It's like yeah, you don't know shit when you, you don't know half of what you don't know when you first mm-hmm. step on the mat. But like you're gonna have to learn a skill set. There's a whole world behind this thing that if you're gonna use it responsibly, you need to be uh, versed in. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's uh, it's
0: it's opened my eyes to a whole new world, and it was yeah. such, it was super fun training, dude. We shot. I don't know how many rounds. I didn't total them off, you know, probably north of 600 rounds I put through that gun. And, yeah, man, we were doing all kinds of cool shit. You know, just a lot of it, it was uh, going from a draw, from a concealed draw, you know, because you're training the concealed carry course. You know, so I I like to carry like appendix style. So in the front, you got a holster and your shirt's over top of it. So, you know, you're working on getting the shirt out of the way, drawing the weapon, getting it on target, just rep after rep after rep. And then then we were doing drills to where once we got comfortable and we were putting rounds on target... Then we were trying to decrease the speed. Then we were working on accuracy. And then once we then we were adding movement to it. Then we were doing drills to where we were starting with our back to the target. You get startled, you gotta and you're in a whole line of people. And so you gotta make sure you don't you're not muzzling anybody, your fingers not on the trigger. You know, then we we're doing then we were shooting one-handed with your strong hand and your weak hand. Yeah, you know, we we're shooting from the ground, like you get knocked down on the ground. Okay, can you get your weapon out of the holster on the ground without fucking pointing it at your leg? Yeah, yeah. you know, and shooting. You know, and we we're shooting from the ground, you know, so on your back, you know, like, putting rounds on target, and getting <laughs> your legs out of the way. Like we're yeah. doing all kind, of, dude. It was fun, as shit. dude. Yeah, all kinds of things, you know. And like uh, Nate was saying, like Nate's been around guns his entire life, and he's even, you know, in my eyes, a fairly experienced, you know, uh, gun guy. You know, he's hunted. He's even done some, like, handgun competitions, you know, at some point in time in his life. But he's like, dude, I've never had this kind of training. He's like, this is freaking awesome. He was so pumped that I talked him into doing it. Yeah. And then we're doing the next one. He's like, I, again, like, him being super experienced, he's like, dude, I didn't know, you know, what I didn't know. He's like, I've never done any of this. You know, we even, like, we did one drill to where the gun was on the ground. And we had to pick it, like, say, we, you know, the scenario was, like, your, your good arm, your right hand, in my case, got fucked up. So I couldn't use my right hand and my weapons on the ground. And you couldn't stage it, so it was easy to pick up. So with your with your off, with your non-dominant hand, you had to, like, squat down to the ground, flip the firearm over so you could get a proper grip on it, bring it up, put rounds on target, all safely with your off, you know, your non-dominant hand. And it's, like, it's things you don't think about. Like, but, man, if you need that skill, you really need that fucking skill. yeah. And, yeah, we were in just a ton of fire, ton of shooting, dude. A ton of shooting, reloading, shooting, reloading, dropping the magazine, reloading on the goal, getting back on target. And not pointing the gun at your fellow classmates. And yeah. It's, it was fun, dude. Nice, man. It was a ton of fun.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it'll be fun when I finally get down that road. Yeah, it'll you'll have, have to take one of those too. courses. Oh, yes. yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, uh, so... Well, cool, man. Well, that sounds like it was worth... It was worth it. Worth it. Oh, the thing. So, oh, you guys going for a walk? Yeah. All right.
2: Nice. Okay.
1: We'll get back, buddy. Come on. Okay. okay. Any opportunity yeah. to get on there? <laughs> oh, yeah. I see. <laughs> um, so, yeah. That
0: was my weekend last weekend. Nice. And then busy as shit at work. Oh, get this. Oh, there's little subject change. So, dude... We're busy shit at work, right? Well, one of our other drivers got hurt, so we're down him. Another one of our drivers, due to this con contact tracing bullshit, fucking got kicked out of work for the time all last week. So is what happened. He went to a wedding over the weekend last mm-hmm. weekend. No issues. Came back to work on Monday. Towards like towards the end of the day on Monday. Um, Our office gets a letter from the health department saying that this guy was in contact with somebody at this wedding. So is what happened. Actually, the groom of the wedding ended up getting sick. Mm -hmm. And then I don't know if he went to the hospital or doctors on Sunday or Monday. Well, tested positive for coronavirus. And through the contact contact tracing program, he Mm -hmm. had to tell everybody he was in contact with. This guy happened to be and so the, the health department sent a letter to our office saying, hey, this guy was in contact with uh, somebody who tested positive. Uh, you guys need to send him home, like mandated to send him home. And so, yeah, and then all of a sudden this guy like got back to the office on Monday. They're like, you can't work until we figure this out. And like, yeah. So he was, he was like, what the fuck? And he feels fine. He's not sick. Yeah. And he, no, no one like told him about it. it all of a sudden just a letter from the health department showed up at the office.
1: Yeah, that's and, weird that they wouldn't contact him. No, contacted his employer. They contact not his him. employer, not him. So he's running around, doesn't he's like, fucking, con, you know, in contact with all sorts of people in yep. his everyday life, and he doesn't know. But they contact your employer. Yep, that's fucking weird, man. Yeah, that's really weird. And then yeah.
0: it's it's really weird. It's like our company is like, so the super simple solution is send them to get tested.
1: Yeah, I, yeah. But then
0: they're like, they're not doing that. Yeah. I'm like, what the what, what do you mean you're not doing that? Like, as soon as you got that letter, I would just say, I would tell him right on the spot, go get tested right now. Yeah. We'll, we'll foot the bill. And then that way, if it comes back, you're not positive, you just come back to work. Just like, Dude, you can come back to work probably next day or the day after. Super yeah. simple. But if you're positive, well, guess what? You got to stay home for two weeks. Yeah. But for some reason, like, since they don't have the policy in place to do it, like, they're kind of freaking out and they're not doing that. I'm, I was like, what? I was asking my boss. I was like, what the fuck? What are you talking about? Like, what you, why don't you just take it upon yourself just to do this? Just tell him to go get tested. And I, If it was me, I would have taken myself to get tested. Yeah. And I would have just brought the results back. But look, I'm positive. I'm not positive. Like, here, motherfucker.
1: Yeah, that's <laughs> the weird thing, though, is like in this contact tracing thing, like, I have noticed that, like, there is no, it seems like there is no option for getting tested. No. If you are considered to have been in contact with someone who's got COVID, you're, it's a two-week quarantine. Yeah. Like, that's the only option that you have. You can't go get tested and and be cool. So, yeah. like, it's, I'm, I'm kind of curious to see, like, how this, how it plays so, wow. out. Yeah. Because if that's the case, that's fucking insane. Because, yeah, just go get tested, man.
0: It solves the problem right there.
1: Yeah. Like they're, they're letting people, uh, like Hawaii's, uh, opening back up for tourism. One of the things is you have to pass your COVID test before you go to bypass the 14 day quarantine. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, like people are getting tested before they go on vacation to fucking Hawaii to, they they even have like tests that they're going to be administering on the flight. Like it's like 250 bucks or something like that. But again, I don't know, but it sounds to me like, you know, uh, 250 bucks. even if I had to pay for it myself, would be worth not having to deal with a 14-day quarantine, especially if I'm not getting paid for it. Right. If they're just like, no, you got to go home and you're not getting paid, then, but yeah, if you get a test and you're like, I'm not fucking positive, and they're still like, well, fuck you, you still got to stay home. Like, what is going on there?
0: Yeah. It's weird, dude. Like I said, yeah, that just unfolded this week. Yeah. Yeah, so that's where I was yesterday. I worked yesterday because, like I said, we had somebody hurt. That guy just got kicked out. We had a couple guys on vacation. And I goes, Jesus Christ, man. And we've been busy as shit. Yeah. I was like, fuck. But yeah, it's a weird, weird scene. I just don't get it. Like, what do you mean we can't just go get tested? If you're, you, you know, the government's telling me I can't work, but yet you're not... You know, so I can't work, I can't make money, but then you're not offering me an option to solve that problem? Like... Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, what... You can fuck right off.
1: Yeah, that's what doesn't make sense. Mm, so, yeah, I'll be curious to see what... Yeah, I'm going to see how it shakes out. <laughs> how up that up happens, but... Yeah, it's a weird,
0: weird, huh? weird scene, man. It's a weird scene. Especially that the government just sent the, our employer a letter. Yeah.
1: Say, <laughs> yeah, that is... Uh, I mean, I can see them sending them a letter, but, like, to not have sent him one, too, mm-hmm. is what's really, really weird. Because, yeah, you want to let the employer let that guy know go. just in yeah. case. Well, I mean, yeah, you want to let the... You're the employer, no, know, just in case that guy is, like, Keeps fucking sociopathic. Right. You know, he's like, oh, I'm not going not to tell anything. anyone. Yeah. Or I guess not really a sociopath, just a normal human being. Because yeah. he's like, I'm not sick. I'm not sick. I just want to go to work, man. I just want fucking things to be normal. Yeah. So. Huh. Well. So, yeah.
0: That's been my life. Shooting guns all weekend. And then going back to work. Yeah, it was born. a busy weekend. And we like, dude, I was... Like see, I didn't even get home Sunday night until like seven thirty eight o'clock. fuck. So now I, I was just in that class all weekend long. Hmm. This is a great experience, but man, I yeah, was, it doesn't seem like I stopped because I just went, you know. Oh work, yeah. Work the week before into that weekend, all class, boom, and then boom, right back to work again Monday morning, and yeah. just scrambling around all week. It's like fuck, bro.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I figured that man, and I was thinking that, especially since you had that class on Sunday. Uh-huh. I was like, man, yeah, especially since you had to stay there till eight. Yeah. <laughs> well good man but that's you know gotta it's do that every once in a while not it's not a sustainable uh lifestyle no but doing every once in a while for a specific purpose like gaining some handgun skills yep so we're right on man yeah i'll be i gotta just fucking get it on my list you gotta do it i know i will i have to now especially since you're all you're into it and
0: it's fun too yeah it's not not only is it super valuable skill but it's fun dude
1: yeah I mean I've had fun mm-hmm. you know when I've gone shooting it's funny that that uh, that the house the tactical house thing that you guys were probably training in um, Z's had a birthday party there with like nerf darts and stuff so it's pretty uh you know pretty interesting like running around a freaking uh, house you know set up and does make it a little different than just an open, open range because have got like, like a car back there and yeah, that's things. that's a,
0: like that whole gun club is really nice.
1: Like, yeah, it's a nice gun. Club. Yeah, the little lounge rooms, pretty yep, sweet. The lounge, yep. Yeah, no, that's good, man. I used to go, shallow, and I would go there and shoot crossbows because mm-hmm. you could run a crossbow, and then you know they would give you a a couple arrows, and so unlike guns where you got to pay for the ammunition. You can just fucking sit there and shoot a crossbow for an hour and it doesn't cost you.
0: Yeah, and especially nowadays. Ammo's so expensive right now. Yeah. It's fucking ridiculous.
1: Oh man, I bet. Yeah. Yeah. I've thought about that. Just going getting a crossbow, doing it fucking the Walking Dead style. What was that dude's name? Daryl. Daryl, that's right. I haven't watched that one in so long. It was so good and then it just went so fucking far off the rails.
0: I still liked it. Even when it went off the rails and it wasn't like the zombies were just kind of like a sub story. You yeah. know what I mean? Like the zombies were, they weren't they were that big of a deal. No. It was the battle of the humans. There's all the other humans. Yeah. I still enjoyed it. I thought it was a cool show.
1: Yeah. I can't
0: remember. I don't know if I ended up finishing it all the way.
1: I mean, it's still going. Is it still going? Is oh, there yeah. new episodes? Oh, yeah. They're still going. They, they took care of uh, Negan. And
0: that's the last episode I'm like. Where uh, that was him, Yeah, that's, uh, that was the last. Where him and Rick had the big battle out in that middle of the field and then, you know, whatever, so on. But then, like, uh, yeah, like, the next episode picked up after that. And I, that next season, I should say. And I don't you know, like, that season wasn't, like, on Netflix or something, so I couldn't watch it. It probably is now, mm, but yeah, I'd have to go back and see. But.
1: Yeah, that's where I dropped off. I was like, all right, I'm just, I don't know. I lost interest in, yeah. It was one of those shows that would just frustrate you. You'd have like these guys like uh who is the fucking Tyrone or whatever the big black dude who would just like go around and like just fucking kill a room full of zombies with his bare hands and then he gets fucking taken out by like one lone zombie because he's paying attention to something else and the thing jumps up and bites his arm and it's like Get the fuck out of here, man. Like, there were so many moments like that where you're like, what are you doing? <laughs> what is going on here? You guys are acting like you're rookies at this whole thing. But, uh, yeah, overall, it was good. Did you ever watch the one, the uh, the Fear of the Walking Dead?
0: Yeah, I did. I tried an episode, too. I was like, man, I just... I, it didn't, like, suck me in right away. Yeah. I just didn't want to invest the time into it. I the just-
1: first season was pretty cool just because it, like, it, it kind of, like, here's how it started. Like, it, it started... You know, actually began before, like the zombie apocalypse had begun, like right at the fringes of it, and so you kind of saw like how uh, it proceeded and things, you know, went went down at the beginning, which you never really got to see with The Walking Dead because Rick was knocked the fuck out and right. woke up after the fact, and so like that was the only like once I got past that I, I lost interest. It's like oh, so this is now they're just like The Walking Dead mm-hmm. again. So I've seen this zombies and people. But, uh, anyways, crossbows, its a good optional...
0: Be fun. Be fun to shoot.
1: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, So, well, shoots, man, right on. But, uh, well, you've been doing your handgun training. I've been working on my fucking oxygen advantage certification. <laughs> so, it's pretty, uh... I've actually been reading this fucking book, too, called The Language of Coaching, which is really interesting, because there's a lot of science behind, um coaching cues and what what's effective and what isn't and so it's really got me thinking about I mean really a lot of things like uh you know just coaching jiu-jitsu and just even like other skills that you're trying to learn but the like the um like the science for the coaching cues is like thinking about something externally is going to work better than thinking internally so like if you're you know, trying to uh, you know execute a a move instead of telling someone to you know oh do this with your your uh, this joint right like uh, you know extend your hips, um, you know something like drive your belly button to the ceiling, would be a better cue for for that or or whatever than extend your hips, mm-hmm. and you know for whatever reason just is when you try to go internally and think about an isolated joint and how you want it to move, you end up like creating, uh, it, 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 doesn't move as efficiently. And so it's better to focus on some sort of external outcome and then let the body figure out how to solve that problem itself. And so, you know, like push the ground away when you're running is better than again, like extend your hips or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but yeah, it's, um, but you start realizing like how much, especially with jujitsu, you're, it's easy to fall back on, you know, focusing on like a single joint and like, you know, do this with your arm or do this with your elbow or whatever. And, and uh, you know, it's challenging, man, trying to think of how to coach things without falling back on that. But, uh, yeah, it's pretty interesting that like analogies, like our body thinks, or our brain is wired to think through analogies, so if you can come up with an analogy that lets you know packs the information in, so I was thinking like when I teach the, uh, you know, like the sit up sweep and they post the arm and then you're going for the Kimura. like the analogy I like to use is like you're you're Terry Tate, fucking office linebacker, and you're in that's fucking old boy and he's late with his TPS report, <laughs> like you know you're not grabbing that wrist, you're wanting to fucking. Bow we want to blast through that thing. Like Terry Tate's blasting through old boy and the kids, the kids won't get that reference. No, they don't. But like the, for the adults, so I, I was just thinking, you know, when I, when I read that and I was like, Oh man, yeah, that's like, you know, one of these analogies I fall back on because people will like, they think, Oh, I just got to grab the wrist. And it's like, no, 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 no. You got to fucking go through the wrist so that you can get on your side. And so giving them that visual of fucking Terry Tate launching himself through someone and, uh, You know, but yeah, like like I said, like the it's interesting. You don't even know the science is there until you start reading, and you're like, holy shit, there's science about this stuff.
0: Shit, I was accidentally using science.
1: (laughs) I was accidentally using science, but I've been accidentally like using uh, the wrong stuff too. Mm -hmm. And the one of the like the key researchers that he references a lot, Gabrielle Wolf, I think, is her name, and she got the insight. She was trying to learn a trick on her wind her kite kiteboard windsurfing yeah windsurfing yeah uh whatever you call that apparatus she's windsurfing and she's trying to learn a new trick and so she had gone to a magazine and she's like you know step one you know put your foot here step two put your uh hand here step three extend with your leg you know so it's like you know the 10 steps and put your hand here do this with this joint put your you know and so it's all like basically explaining like you know, how to manipulate your body. And so she's trying it, and she can't get it. And she, you know, she just can't think of everything, all the 10 steps. And then she started focusing more on like the board and how her body was interacting with the board. And then things started clicking and she started. And I was like, again, you realize, well, okay, we've all had that moment Mm -hmm. where I stopped thinking about the 10 steps that somebody told me. And I started thinking about like, you know, this key thing. And it started clicking for me, but yeah, I got her inspired. So she actually started doing research into it and to find like, you know, does internal or external cueing work better? And again, like the the science is, is pretty strong that like the internal cueing, it's not that it has no place at all, but it's, it's really like a small thing. Like when you're showing a move, it's more like cueing, right? So when you're showing a move, you do have to kind of be like, hey, you know, do this, do this, do this, do this. Now, when you're doing it, though, here's what you need to think about. So, and and, and if, you can, if you can think of a cue, like one, one thing for them to think about that will get them to accomplish that goal, like that's, that's a good cue. Like mm-hmm. that's what you want. And so there is a point for describing using anatomy and using these things, but that's when you're describing something and then you cue it. And then they do it, and you watch it, and then you analyze, like, did that work or not? And if it did, great, do more of it. And if not, well, let's unpack it and figure out, do I need to give you a different cue? Is the cue not working for you? And, like, that's the the, the coaching cycle that he described that you want to go through. And so, uh, but, yeah, it's just getting that, them separated and, uh, you know, knowing like, man, if you tell someone, think about your joint doing this, when you're doing the move, you're probably going to fuck them up mm-hmm. and you got to figure out how to describe it in a way that's going to present them with an external goal versus, you know, internal movement. And then, cause the body's the greatest or brain is the fucking awesome best problem solving machine ever. You just got to give it the right problem. And that's what it, I realized that's what he's talking about. Oh, if you just give the brain the right problem. It'll figure out how to do it on its own. We just got to figure put out the right input in there. Yeah, we got to figure out the right question to ask, the right problem to present the body with. And if we can do that, then we simplify everything else. So,
0: you know, I'm discovering that I've been, you know, coaching a 12 year old kid. Yeah. You know, teaching him how to work out a little bit and getting getting him stronger. And uh, yeah, that's challenging. You know, and me figuring out what word what cues, what words to use. And, it, it, and it's uh, it's really an experiment. You know, Mm because I'll I'll show him the move and then how, like, I'll demonstrate it and explain what I expect and just try to keep it as broad and as simple as possible. Then I'll have him try it, like, okay. And it's really, again, it's been an experiment. Like, okay, how much info do I need to give and what detail do I want to focus on? Like, okay, let's just do this. Yeah. And then that's kind of how I've been. And then you got to go back. You give one detail and then once you see him doing that certain move, and then that one detail you wanted him to focus on kind of becomes second nature. You know, he's just he's doing it. And then you, then I'll correct like another part of it. Like, all right, that looks really good. Now I want to think think about this. Yeah. And then I'll see. Then he'll be good. Then he then that he doesn't have to think about the first part so much. He's thinking about the next thing. And then it's slowly but surely it's coming together as like you know a decent squat or a decent push up or whatever it is. But it's it's it is it's the right input. Like okay, let's focus on this now. And you're letting the other shit go, like he's not getting hurt. This is good. Just focus on this. Yeah. And then once that gets ironed out, okay, let's let's focus on this. Like, oh, you're getting tired and you're forgetting the first thing. You know, go back. And, yeah. And so it's it's just ever constantly evolving. But this yeah. it's challenging from a coaching standpoint. You know, oh yeah, it definitely is. Yeah. Because then everybody's a little bit different too. You know, that one the cue that I might use to teach you something. If I use that same cue with Kieli it might not sink. It right. might not sink in. She might be like, what? Yeah. Yeah. So you, so you got to find that too. Like,
1: Yep. You got to figure out what works for the athlete. Yep, yep. So yeah, that is, uh, it was interesting at the beginning of the book, he was pointing out that like, y- you know, how you teach something is, it, it is just as, if not more important than what you're teaching. Mm-hmm. You got the best thing in the world. And if you can't communicate it properly, you're not going to, get the athlete, you're not going to get the person doing what you want. You can have a shitty program, but man, if you can communicate really well and get them executing it well, like that, that's the, the, the sad thing. Like dude, a shitty program executed well with a lot of effort is going to trump the best program in the world executed half ass. Yep. Uh, Like that's just like that. You're how you do it and the effort you put into it has, you know, as much, if not more to do with it than what you're actually doing. And so, if but if that's the case, then why as coaches is pretty much all of the the training that you get in you know exercises, how to describe the form for the exercises, and then you know program design, but your ability to communicate through effective cues to really change someone's movement in a positive direction, it's just not fucking discussed or covered, but it it has, it's has as much weight as any of these other things. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, like I, I really encourage, it's called the the language of coaching, man. If you work with people on any level, trying to improve their movement, like as a, you know, strength coach, trainer, jujitsu coach, I, I mean, anything, anything where you're trying to improve somebody's movement quality and some skill, Then, man, even like with your with with the gun training, you know, it's like not everyone knows this, you know. So taking this, like, you may, you know, try to figure out well what's an external cue that's going to help me better. Like he may be talking about like keep your shoulder here or whatever, right? And you're like, okay, well, is is there some sort of external cue that will get me doing the same thing that will be better for me to focus on, sort of thing? Because not all coaches know this too, and so as an athlete. You know, you being able to maybe filter, you know, an internal cue that's coming from a good place and figure out some sort of way to turn it into a, a more effective cue for yourself um, is super helpful. But yeah, I I, I highly recommend. Anyone, what's, it, what's it called again? The language of coaching.
0: I'm gonna put that in my notes so right. Yeah. Thinking
1: about. Yeah, you'll dig it, man. Especially working with uh, working with Rue, you'll cuz you're 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 like me man like you know if if the athlete if the person's not doing what you want them to do it's your fucking fault
0: it is your fault yeah and, it is
1: yeah and you need to figure out what you need to do to help them do what you want them to do and i've never found a better like this book is i wish i'd had this when i first started coaching it's one of those cliche things but I've never, I've never come across a better resource that teaches you the practical skills for how to
0: Nick Winkelman? do that. Yep, does that sound
1: right? That's him. Yeah, I saw him talk on this subject a few years ago at, uh, at one of the perform Betters that I went to, and he was talking about doing a book, but I didn't realize it took him this long. Like it just came out, but yeah, he's been into this for a while. I remember him talking about the the science behind internal versus external cueing and you know how to you know use it effectively and but yeah it's pretty fascinating man it goes into like how the brain works and forms memories and because that's what you're trying to do like you you're really trying to form a memory for how to move properly that they can access and and so understanding like how people are able to do that helps you understand also like what's why you don't want to give them too much information yeah you know also uh what's interesting is that the types of cues cuz you have close external and far external so like if you're doing a uh like a bench press for example right and you think about okay i want you to um i don't know i'm trying to think like what's a good fucking example it's like you know you're you're thinking about external but it's something you know close in so you're like you know i just want you to i don't even fucking know I, i'm I'm drawing a blank on a good example. <laughs> he does he does a really good job of breaking it down when you hear him. Because he uses like, you know, sprinting, for example. So, you know, like drive your knees up like you're trying to break a pane of glass. Mm-hmm. Right? Like that would be an, an external. Even though you're referencing a, a joint on the body, you're not telling the joint what, what to do. do. Yeah. It's just a, a reference point for you. You're trying to break a pane of glass. So you're trying to lift your knees up high and hard. And so that that would be like a, a close external you know um, drive through the finish line uh, would be a, a, a far external okay you know so and there's a difference and again they've studied like all the difference uh, uh, you know you have close internal far internal close external and far external and they've studied all four of these types of cues And again, the evidence is that any sort of external cue is going to be more effective than any sort of internal cue and that the close internal cues tend to be better for beginners and the far external cues tend to be better for more experienced athletes. And so again, just as you get more familiar with what you're doing, your ability to kind of project that into, you know, more abstract, uh, um, goals, I guess, is uh because again like drive through the finish line well there's you know there's a lot of different ways to do that you know raise your knee like you're trying to break a pane of glass you know there's kind of only one way but once you get that down and now you're like drive for the finish line and you're like employing these other things to solve that problem then it changes uh that so yeah it's kind of uh like i said it's really interesting Hmm. when you how do you
0: because you were talking about the your the oxygen advantage I know. Right? and then how did we get into that that's i was trying to because was that part of it like, no
1: i was just it somehow I, I said i was reading i i was taking that class and then just offhandedly mentioned and oh yeah and i'm reading this book because i okay, was reading okay. it this morning i was
0: trying to connect it I to like i was like
1: sucked into that i was
0: thinking about it, I was like well how did that connect was that part of it that's what i was getting
1: yeah no, know that's i that was a, a random thing okay. but yeah no the oxygen advantage has been a, the different or the the breathing course um but yeah, it's super, that's another one, man. It fucking drives me nuts when you start digging in the science of things and you realize, like, what the fuck? Like, why is this shit here and we don't know about it? And why are we doing this stupid shit over here because we don't know about this? Like, isometrics. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's fucking maddening. And when you really look at, like, the effects of different types of um, – because really what it breaks down to is what when you do a cardio workout – what type of internal environment are you creating? And you want your, your, your body's adapting to that internal environment, right? Like, you know, the, what, how's the metabolism fueling this effort? And I need my body to adapt to that. So that's why I like, you know, uh, the, the metabolism that you need to fuel a marathon is different than a sprint. Mm-hmm. And so that's why a sprinters got to do a different quote unquote cardio workout than a marathon runner, because you're not just working on your cardio. Cardio is this general term, but really, what you want is your metabolic environment to be adapted to specific demands of your sport. And that's part of where like fitness becomes contextual, right? The fitness you need to run a marathon is different than the fitness you need to be a sprinter. And so you gotta like, you know, okay, well, what is the fitness that you need? And so with the cardio stuff, it's it's kind of a, a, a double-edged thing right like the or, or two how do I put this <laughs> so when you're rolling is the bigger problem for you gassing out and literally just running out of energy or is it starting to get breathless
0: I'd have to probably say it's starting to get breathless yeah Out uh, yeah that, yeah that, that, that's yeah before you just run out of energy yep yeah yeah. Starting your breathless is what's going to lead me to be like, all right, man, I, I got to slow this pace down.
1: Right. Or you start to do silly things Sin, right. or whatever. It's that breathless feeling that like, holy shit, I got to breathe. Holy fuck. Yeah. Like that's the feeling. One, that's the one that we all fear. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's just be honest. That's, that's the, when, when Vince Lombardi said, fatigue makes cowards of all men. Mm-hmm. Like that's what he was talking about is that breathless feeling. That's what turns you into a fucking coward. Because you're triggering your lizard brain. It's like this, this, this uh, you know, primal survival switch that's getting flipped. It's not a cardio thing. You're not literally out of energy, so you can't continue to fuel the movement. Your brain is taking over. Like the, your little fucking lizard brain is taking over. That's a different thing, right? I mean, you, you'd agree. Like, and, and so when you're, especially for us as grapplers... You, if the breathless feeling is your biggest enemy and the thing that you're trying to avoid, well, that's what you need to be training. And so we get it mixed up because when you do high-intensity intervals and you know real hard cardio work, you're breathing hard, but it's not the same thing as being breathless.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so it's that breathless feeling that you're trying to train, but we're we're working on breathing hard. And and so the, the internal environment that triggers the breathless feeling is a rise in CO2. It's your carbon dioxide levels rising. It's not a drop in oxygen. Like your oxygen has to drop to like 50%. Oxygen saturation has to drop to like 50% or less for that to start triggering shit in your brain. It, it's, this, it's the rise in CO2 levels that <clears throat> triggers that breathless feeling. And so like that's what you want to be training Right? it's like okay i want to train my body and my brain to better adapt to the metabolic environment of what's known as hypercapnic it, like capnia is your your carbon dioxide level so if you've got hypercapnia you have higher than normal levels if you've okay. got hypocapnia you've got lower than normal levels and so the the breathless feeling is triggered by hypercapnia like or you know at least Elevated elevated carbon, CO2 CO2 levels. levels. So that's what we want to train, right? Mm -hmm. But when you do intervals and you do like traditional cardio training, your CO2 levels don't change. If anything, you may go hypocapnic because you're breathing so hard. You may be blowing off more CO2 than you need to. So you may be actually driving your CO2 levels down a little bit. And your blood oxygen saturation drops to like you know the, the low 90s, which isn't that big of a deal. When you're doing the CO2 workouts, the fucking breath holding, the, the the hypercapnic workouts from the oxygen advantage, you're you're seeing your CO2 levels rise, and you're seeing your oxygen levels drop into the 80s and 70s. I actually did it. I had my pulse oximeter. I don't. I got to get another one maybe. He said I was getting down in like the high sixties. Really? Yeah, yeah. I mean, dude, it's hard, man. I'm fucking. It's like you're having to really work to fucking keep the the the, the panic feeling at yeah. bay. That's what
0: I'm saying. You have to work to keep from freaking out.
1: Yeah. the The, the term he uses that I like was relaxed suffocation.
0: <laughs> Those two words have never ever gone together in the history. Of no, the, but English, it makes. That's English what you're language. looking
1: for when you're doing these workouts right because you're not only wanting to put yourself in this hypercapnic state you're you're wanting to train the body to be able to relax into it so instead of it being this like fucking tense thing you got to like okay all right and, and it, it it's you're still tense right but you're able to relax into it it's like doing your you know 100 on your isometrics Right. Like there's, if you get too, like there's a, there's kind of a relaxed tension Mm -hmm. that you have to have to generate maximum amount of tension. And it's the same thing there. Like there's a relaxed suffocation that you have to be able to achieve in order to really train the body to do what you want to do. That's why you can't go, you don't want to take it too far, right? It's just like anything else. Like if you go from, I can't deadlift any weight to throwing 250 pounds on the bar, like going to end badly it's going to now you're not going to adapt well to that so that's why there is there's steps you know that the program takes uh and, and you know you have some pretty extreme they call them altitude simulation workouts because there's a chart that I uh, he showed us that shows what your blood oxygen saturation levels are at different altitudes because again that's what it's not that there's less oxygen at altitude there's less atmospheric pressure Okay. And so when you breathe in, there's less pressure pushing air into your lungs. And so there's less air that gets into your lungs. And so that's why you have less oxygen in your lungs at, or, you know, air, whatever, uh, in your lungs at altitude compared to sea level. It's the the atmospheric pressure. pressure. Forcing it in. Right. And so that's why you'll find as you go up, your blood oxygen saturation levels drop because you're just not getting the same amount of air into your into your system. And so you can see at different elevations where your blood oxygen saturation levels are. So, like, man, if you drop your blood oxygen saturation into the 80s, that's like being at, like, 14,000 feet or really? something like that. Yeah. Like, like, at the top of Mount Everest, the highest point is, like, 60%. Ooh. And so... Yeah, and that's why it's like the death zone. Like you can't survive there. You're going to die if you stay in that in that state. But what this is is intermittent hypoxic training. That's the other thing is you get hypoxia, which is lowered oxygen, and you get hypercapnia, which is raised CO2 levels. So that metabolic environment does all sorts of crazy shit for you. You know, it also helps improve your anaerobic buffering capacities. Because as you hold your breath, your body continues to you know, use energy. But because your oxygen levels are dropping and you don't have enough oxygen, the hydrogen ions don't get metabolized. And so they get turned into lactic acid and all this stuff. And so it basically creates a small anaerobic effect in the cells themselves because the cells aren't offloading CO2, so they're holding more CO2. And they're getting this anaerobic reaction to the lowered oxygen levels. And so you're getting like a a buffering, um, uh, you know, um, result, right? Like your body gets better at dealing with that metabolic environment, which is what you want, right? Like you want, if you want to get better at uh, your anaerobic efforts, like that's what you're looking to do. You want your body better at buffering lactic acid. And so that helps improve that, you know, helps improve the CO2 tolerance. And so, uh, yeah, man, it's really interesting when you look at it and you realize like, oh, we've been fucking going about this wrong. Like there was there was a doctor in the 40s who, uh, his name was like Walker or something, Walker. And he, for whatever reason, had didn't like CO2. Like up until that point, CO2 was recognized as having like therapeutic effects and it was used with people like epilepsy and, um, like anxiety. And so, but then he comes along and he's like one of these, it's so crazy how you can look back and find like one influential figure who had a way of looking at something and he influences an entire field even though he was wrong and it takes forever for the field to recover from that. And that's what happened here was this guy came out and started saying like CO2 is this poisonous gas You know, it's worse than urine in your body. You need to get rid of it. You don't need, you know, we don't need to be using it for therapy. And and so it became all about oxygen. The more oxygen that you had, that was better. And the the less CO2, the better. And so that's why we have, why we look at it the way that we do today. And we go about trying to improve cardio the way that we do is because of this one fucker in the 40s. And so, but yeah, the science is coming around um, also how the, the, the hypercapnia, um, influences HRV. There's a lot of fucking science behind breathing and how it influences HRV. And that's where like the real hard science is. So people who are all like, you know, Oh, breathing, whatever. <laughs> it's like, no, 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 dude. There's a, you know, HRV is a, like, there's a lot of really hard science behind how, uh, like different breathing patterns, diaphragmatic breathing, nasal breathing, all of these things positively influence HRV. And, and so again, like it's not just, you know, saying shit, there's fucking so much hard science. And again, that's what's frustrating is like, wait a minute, why are we not privy to this? And so the thing with these workouts is because the breath holds on the exhale are the stress. You don't have to have a lot of physical stress. We did a little bit. With the push-ups and the, and the squats. Squats last couple weeks yeah. ago. Yep. Physically, that wasn't hard. Right. Like mentally and like cardio-wise, it it's was not, fun. Yeah, it's difficult. It was difficult. Yeah. And so like the, the walking workouts and stuff, we have ones where you, you know, you walk, you warm up by holding your breath on the exhale for like 10 to 15 paces. Uh, and then you start ramping it up and you start adding like five paces and you start running as, as the air hunger gets stronger and then, you know, the six little minimal breaths at the end just to really kind of force the, the hypercapnic state even further. And, yeah, dude, it's difficult. But it's, uh, but you can tell like that. I mean, that's the feeling, though. Like that's that that breathless feeling that you want to train. And it sucks. You don't want to go there because you're like, what the fuck am I doing? This is, I'd rather do hard-ass intervals. <laughs> But it's way more effective for your body. But physically, it's not that hard, right? Like right. physically, it wasn't hard. But metabolically, it was a bitch for your body. So it's just like isometrics. It's a way for you to, you know, you're, you're wanting to develop general. With isometrics, you're developing tension skills, right? Like deadlifts don't make you better at jujitsu you're hoping to develop a general tension skill with your hip hinge. Mm-hmm. And you're hoping that that general tension skill with your hip hinge will have some transfer over to things you do at jiu-jitsu. So it's really that, that tension skill that you're wanting. And that's what isometrics allow us to train is that tension skill. And it's the same thing. You want metabolic skills. And, and so the, 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 the hypocapnic training you know, the, the workouts from the oxygen advantage, they allow you to challenge those metabolic skills, but again, in a much less physically intense way. So now you have more energy and more time because you still need to work hard. But guess right. what you work hard doing? Fucking jujitsu. Right. That's – you're not mm-hmm. beat up. It's like, dude, I'm thinking about like – dude, I used to try to stay in shape doing heavy lifting and in hard intervals and wondered like – Why the fuck I'm sore, tired, beat up. I got to do mobility and foam rolling all the time. You know, like your body starts to, the the shit adds up. And now I'm looking at it and I'm like, dude, my workouts are the complete opposite. It is isometrics and these, you know, hypercapnic workouts that from an outsider looking in. Doesn't look like you're working hard at all. Looks like shit, man. Mm -hmm. Looks like you guys ain't doing shit over there. But it's way more effective. For what I actually want, which is to improve my fitness for jujitsu, right? And yeah, so yeah, I'm all fucking pumped, man. It's it's complete. It, it was it was the, the isometrics were kind of the start of it, but this uh-huh. rounds it out, man. This is like the cardio side for the workouts that we, because isometrics have a cardio component for sure. But you know, there was this it, it, rounds it out.
0: Yeah, that makes it, I like. Yeah, it does round out because. We've, we've discovered the isometric training is a great way to build and maintain strength for jiu-jitsu without taking away from jiu-jitsu because you do your traditional strength training and that zaps you for jiu-jitsu yeah I mean, your jiu-jitsu training suffers you know just because you can't recover enough especially know we're getting older <laughs> but so we've discovered oh isometrics you can still be strong and get strong and you can still have a good training session yeah and so now that you got a, a cardio Meaning you can attack the cardio side yeah. of it without... Because prior to that, you know, how do you work on your cardio? You go do sprints. You know, whatever yeah. the case may be. And then that, dude, that fries you for... Fries you for your jiu-jitsu training. So now your, your training you're trying to do to improve your jiu-jitsu takes away from one of your training, you know, jiu-jitsu training sessions. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Yeah. do myself any good.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah. No, it's...
0: uh At the beginning, Grumpy Guy, Dale, hey, you should do some of that breath hold stuff. Yeah,
1: no. That's yeah. what I've been doing. I've been starting... With that, doing that first, and then doing the ISOs uh, and, and all the other stuff after that, and it doesn't take that long.
0: Uh, cause I have I mean, you because I—I'll run the show today. I'm yeah. assuming But I have you do the beginning part with the breath holding stuff. Cool. Yeah. And then I'll run.
1: Yeah, you know? we'll do the we'll do the walking running okay. one. All right. So yeah, you'll like that one. Right. <laughs> but dude, you can do it on a bike. You know your exercise bike. You know it's just it's about the paces. Like once you get the the pattern, it's like oh you know it's it's not rocket science. Mm -hmm. And you start to say, you're, you know, okay, I'm going to go for, you know, 20 pedal strokes. Dude, the aerodyne bike's hard as fuck.
0: I was, I was just, as you were saying that, I was just thinking how not great that would be. No, no.
1: Because you got the upper and the lower lower body body,
0: working. And you're trying to hold, you know, hold on the exhale. Yeah. You're going to freak out really fast. Dude, it's, your body, your mind's just going to be going, yeah,
1: it's, it's tough, man. But it's, uh, yeah, man, it's, it's fucking awesome. Like, I'm, I'm really pumped. I'm glad I took the, the course because it's Patrick, uh, Patrick McCown. Like, he's so passionate about this, and he's, just, he's so into the science. Like, he's just pulling up this study and that study and the other study, and here's what this thing's saying. And I'm just like, yeah, I love this shit. And I can see other people in the group are like, their eyes are glazing, glazing over, and it's like, man, but yeah, but I, I feel the better. I understand something.
0: Do you guys do like a, like a weekly Zoom meeting or something? Is there?
1: There's seven classes, there, uh, so we did three last week. We were supposed to finish off this week, but he had something come up, so we did three this week, and then we did uh, Sorry. one.
2: We're taking Shiloh.
1: Oh, okay. Bye. Bye. What's All right. Oh, you guys are all wet. We'll okay. <laughs> okay. see you after this Okay. See you. All right, love you. Love you. <laughs> we're all leaving. Okay, I know. All right. <laughs> yeah, Shao's got a friend she's, uh, she's hanging out with. But, yeah, it's a Zoom call that he does. Uh, so we got the last one on Monday that we're wrapping up. But he'll usually do, like, about an hour and a half of, you know, talking. And then he'll lead us through some of the drills and the workouts and nice. stuff like that. So, yeah, it's been uh it's been good. I I really really enjoyed the uh the info and insights and shit. So, now I've got some new stuff. Oh, that's right. He was he we went over Wim Hof. Oh, method. really? Yeah. So, he uh was we actually pulled up the the study, the famous study that was done on Wim and the the volunteers and they mm-hmm. got injected with the some sort of virus, yeah. Or some sort of virus, and and they were able to trigger the immune system response, and uh, and yeah. So we were looking at it, and he was, you know, it's he's he saying like, you know, you can use them both, right? Like they're not incompatible with each other, but you just got to look at like, what's the what is the Wim Hof method doing? Well, you're you're uh, in, you know. You're blowing off CO2. That's why you're able to hold your breath for so fucking long, because you're doing these 30 strong inhales and exhales, and you're you're uh, blowing off a bunch of CO2. It's not really that you're taking in more oxygen. You can't. You're if you're at 100%, you're at 100%. So it's that you're blowing off a bunch of CO2, and so those blood gases, you know, uh, that ratio changes, and then it takes a long time before the CO2 levels rise to the level where they start to trigger, hey, you need to breathe. And so that's why you can hold your breath for fucking two, three plus minutes doing that. It's, it's real similar to like the, the CO2 scrubbing that uh, um, freedivers do. Okay. It's the same idea. They're trying to get rid of as much CO2 as possible. But that's where the danger of blackout comes in because <laughs> you can have your blood oxygen levels drop to 50% or less and those CO2 levels haven't raised to the point yet where it's triggering the need to breathe. And so that's where the deep water blackouts and all that shit happen. That's why you can pass out with the Wim Hof method.
0: I've been I haven't passed out yet, but I've came pretty close.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's that's why. And so you're creating a and in, in the inhale, the exhale is going to affect the like the, the is this a stress response or a uh, recovery relaxed response right so if you have a long extended exhale it's going to be more parasympathetic more relaxing and if you have a short strong exhale it's going to be more sympathetic and gets you uh, you know trigger the you know more of a stressor and so again the Wim Hof is it's a stressor stressor yeah I mean, you see the adrenaline levels rise and all that stuff from it and so it's a you're creating a stress response You're creating a hypocapnic state. So you're not getting the benefits of the elevated CO2, which there are like benefits to elevated CO2 levels and you're getting the hypoxia. And so again, there's something going on there, but like once you understand how to evaluate breathing from, you know, what's happening biochemically, what's happening with the blood gases, what's happening, um, biomechanically, like how is this breathing being driven you know is it diaphragmatic is it nasal is it mouth like you know what are the mechanics behind it because those those trigger different things and then finally what is the stress response that it's triggering and so you can look at pretty much any breathing technique and be able to evaluate oh well this is what's happening and this is how you would fit this into whatever I'm trying to do and so you know like the box breathing thing that's so popular it's like well you've got a you know a, a a, you know, like a four second inhale and then you're holding your breath for four seconds it's like the, generally it's like four seconds in hold for four seconds four seconds out hold, hold for, for four, four seconds so that's why they call it box breathing but he's like you know you're holding your breath so you're starting to develop some higher co2 levels and then you have this controlled extended exhale which triggers a parasympathetic response and then you're holding your breath again and co2 levels are rising even more and any any breath hold your your body tends to when you're holding your breath it's actually a trigger to to get more blood to your brain so it starts to take blood flow away from other places and get it to your brain so you actually get more blood flow to your brain during a breath hold than you do during normal breathing so that's one of the reasons like breath holding wakes you up and makes you more alert because you're literally getting more blood flow to the brain from doing it.
0: Huh. You know, it's funny. I use that trick, um, when I'm driving down the road at work, especially like at the end of the day, i my deliveries are done. I'm driving back from Telluride. You know how it is. You're driving. Yeah. And sometimes you feel like that little bit of like sleepiness coming on. Oh yeah. And so I, you know, I'll do like a Wim Hof style breathing, but I don't go crazy with it because I'm driving a fucking big truck. Yeah. But uh, it wakes me up. You know, like boom, like it, you know, you get that little bit of drowsy feeling. You know, yeah. Like, yeah. You, you, you do some good strong breaths and like a, basically like a box breathing. Yeah, like I do, like a shortened Wim Hof, and I do like a few rounds of that, and boom, like I'm alert. Yeah, and it's like I've been, I've been using that trick; it works really good. Yeah, to no, get I, you
1: to get you fired back up. Yeah, well, that yeah, but that's the the thing. Like you can use your breathing to literally hack your your mental state, your your hormones, you know, blood flow, mm-hmm. like so many things from uh, from your breathing, and, and it's just not something that's really emphasized and and taught
0: yes after it's funny is like just i was just playing around with the driving one day and i was like oh this works pretty good and it's actually a technique i use pretty regularly yeah because it's easy to get a little drowsy while you're driving yeah it's, you know they you know you hear about drowsy driving all the time yeah I, I do some breathing boom and i'm sharp as sharp can be and i'm good to go
1: yeah and it works out pretty good yeah you don't have to do like even just like a 30 second Breath hold. Yep. yep. You know, yep. it's it's totally sub max. It's like when you're trying to go to like you know max. Like that's where the danger are dangerous. passing out. Yeah. So yeah, just doing like a 30 second breath hold. Yep. Um, is uh, yeah, and then you get the the spleen. I, mean, I think I, I mentioned this to you before. Like breath holds trigger your spleen to release the red blood cells that it's hanging on to. Mm-hmm. And so you're getting like more oxygenated blood into your your system as well. So yeah, there's a fucking shit ton of benefits to the um the breath holding but I was using it last night like going into jujitsu because dude it's funny man when you're going in like you know I still get the fucking anxious feeling mm-hmm. it's fucking dude it's jujitsu time you don't know who's gonna be there you know you're gonna you, can't be you no know, you know what's going you're about, on you're man. about to do something yeah. pretty difficult yeah, yeah. man yeah. and so when I'm when I'm driving in I'm trying to control my breathing you know keep things relaxed and I don't want to get fucking all wired up but man, sometimes I pull in the parking lot and I've done too good of a job and I'm like, I'm too relaxed, you know, and it takes me like a round or two to kind of get myself ramped up. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, this time I was pulling in the parking lot and I'm feeling nice and relaxed. And so, all right, all right, I'm going to do a few breath holds. And I didn't do the, the, the whim hop, the breathing before, uh, just did like a couple of normal breath holds. But yeah, it definitely just even the breath holding mm-hmm. helps. It, it gets you more alert. Like you're. When you're holding your breath, it draws your attention to the fact that you're not breathing. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, there's just all sorts of good shit that happens from it. But that's what he was saying is like using the breath holding before competition. And so like maybe, you know, we talked about doing the Wim Hof method. So like, you know, what I think now the call would be to do like the Wim Hof breathing before your first match, you know, like half an hour, hour or so before your first match. Because with the Wim Hof it is that stressor you are triggering triggering the adrenaline so you're kind of getting that adrenaline dump a little bit um but then after that to you know because the breath holds trigger the spleen and, and all this shit. and so he was saying man just do like normal breath holds you don't have to do the the hard breathing before and so right up before the match just 30 second breath hold breathe for a minute 30 second breath hold breathe for a minute you know you do like three to five of those and you're gonna get the blood flow to the brain you're gonna feel more alert you're gonna get the the spleen dumping the the red blood cells so you'll have the the more oxygenated blood and uh and yeah like makes fucking sense hmm. so kind of excited to try it out are you signing up for the, the tournament no
0: i i am it's funny as i am going to denver next weekend yeah but i gotta help don yeah and, you know move some of her stuff so no i can't i'm not gonna be competing
1: yeah are you gonna Man, I, I haven't really talked to Keely, so. Uh, That's a week from today. Yeah, yeah, I haven't sprung it on her yet, because we'd have to get, I don't know what we would do. I, I want to do it, man, but it, it's the, I always run into the reality of like, fuck, man, I got to get all the way to Denver. Yep. I got to drive there,
0: four-hour drive back, hotel room, if not one night, if at least one night, at if least not At least one two. night,
1: yep, exactly. You no, know, Are we taking the
0: kids? Yes. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like you're driving over the mountains. Yeah, you know, 250 miles from one the, from the western slope to the eastern slope of the Rocky Mountains like it's not just a normal drive down the highway it's no man any, like, it's... The, the money that's involved like yeah
1: yeah it's a it's a decision so yeah. I'm gonna run a buyer I'd, I'd like to but it's uh cause yeah I have like some new things I wanna try with the breathing and stuff mm-hmm. but yeah we'll see so yeah man it's uh I'm all fucking pumped on CO2 workouts and rounding everything out, so between the isometrics and this shit. I've seen uh,
0: Steve Maxwell's having some sort of isometrics webinar. Yeah. I didn't, I just saw the email and I haven't dug into it yet to see what it's about. It's for, it's
1: really, it's geared for trainers to use isometrics for uh, workouts like, um, you know, distance coaching. Oh, okay. Because, you know, I mean, personal training is obviously not what it used to be. Right. And so that, that's like the the deal in isometrics are like, man, if you got a, a client working out at home and you don't have isometrics in your toolbox, like...
0: What are you doing? What are man?
1: you doing? And, and you better hope they got like some decent equipment or something. But, you know, it's uh, like we all say like, yeah, a single kettlebell. But we know that's fucking not really accurate. Like a good kettlebell for a swing is not a good kettlebell for a fucking Turkish getup. It's right. not, you know, it's so... The, the ability to use isometrics to round things out and provide a real uh, strength challenge is important. So and I was thinking about that this morning. I was like, dude, between breath work and my body, for you know, I can just do fucking body weight isometrics. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, you know, the, the, the fucking CO2 workouts, like, you can do those just marching in place. You don't have to walk and run. Yeah, you can you just be marching work, and yeah. running in place. Like, you can do literally an entire workout in like a five by five square foot space with nothing but your body and it actually be effective. Not like some fucking bullshit that you see people. Like, oh, bodyweight workout. This is all you need. And it's like, Oh my God, jumping split squat lunges and shit. And it's like, Oh, fucking your brain starts exploding. So that's what people like to see. Nobody wants to do isometrics and hold their breath. Hmm. It's, it's coming around, the science is there. It'll people will start hearing more and more about it. It is one of those things, man. Honestly, in ten, fifteen years, I'll I'll guarantee you, isometrics and like this style of cardio training is gonna be way more common. Way place more thing. commonplace. Yeah, I,
0: I I'm starting to hear more and more about isometric stuff. Yeah, me too, man. You listen to fitness, you know, oriented podcast and different talks like it is becoming more and more common
1: it is yeah, yeah. i think people are really we've been
0: be- at it for what three years now
1: yeah and
0: yeah. yeah it's it's coming around yeah it's definitely being mentioned here and there but
1: yeah it's still yeah people are yeah it's it's got a fucking shit ton of benefits it's easy on the body so but it is a uh it's it is. It's harder to measure progress. Like that's one of the things you can't. You know, it's not weight on the bar and all that stuff. But man, that shit is so fleeting. And it, it's. Uh, I was talking to with well, my buddy Mark, the guy got me in the the Wim Hof shit. Oh, dude, he was telling me. He check this out. He's, he's a volunteer firefighter. Uh-huh. So he's going through firefighter training, and he's like, it's starting to become cliche at this point. They'll have some sort of test that involves how long can you last on your bottle of oxygen. Cause you know, they load them up with, and, and, and your breathing is going to affect that. Mm -hmm. And he's like, dude, I am, he's the oldest dude in the class. He's, you know, his mid thirties, but he's going up against like, you know, 18, 18, mid 20. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And he's like, dude, I will like one, they had to walk around a track until they ran out of oxygen. And he's like, dude, I went like 15, 20 minutes longer than anyone else. And I had a lower tank. I started with like 10% less oxygen than anyone else did and he's like the instructor was freaking out and yeah he's had like two or three other times where you know part of the test is how long can you make your bottle of oxygen last and he is just blowing everyone else out of the water and it's nasal breathing and just he's not even doing like the slow breathing shit the oxygen advantage just doing the wim hof stuff and then the the nose breathing and i mean dude that's a life and death thing Mm-hmm. For, for a firefighter, I mean, if you can last another 15 minutes, that's either you know your life or your ability to save somebody else's. And what is interesting is that it's just kind of like, you know, this guy's doing something and he's outlasting all of you. and But no one's really saying, hey, what are you doing?
0: They, they'll just chalk it. It's easier for their ego just to chalk it up to like, he's a freak. Yeah. The rest of us can't do it, so he just must be a freak. Yeah. Yeah yeah we'll just let it go we don't need to really know what he's doing because no
1: yeah exactly yeah but i that was uh and and, i mean i I expect that reaction but you know i'm like man i I would think these other guys would be dude what are you doing and he's like no man you know maybe one of them will ask and i'll talk to him about you know some breathing stuff and then you can just see like okay yeah it's not exciting yeah we all breathe but yeah man it's got applications for so many different areas like that's going to be the breath work that's another big fucking uh, niche. You're going to see people being like way more aware of that. Like that was one of, one of the studies he looked at. Like the conclusion was until you normalize breathing, you can't normalize any movement pattern. As long as you have abnormal breathing, you have any sort of breathing dysfunction, it's going to be impossible for you to have functional movement. Mm-hmm. You're always going to have some sort of dysfunction within your movement pattern because you're using muscles that are supposed to be used for this movement pattern for breathing because you're not breathing properly and yeah but you know we're trying to fix people's movement and we're not fixing their breathing first Mm -hmm. fuck are we doing here people what are we doing here so anyways it'll be a brave new world we'll go hold our breath and walk around the mat and and, then beat each other up and beat each other up man yeah good day I'm looking forward to it. Fridays are starting to become like fucking white belt Fridays. I know.
0: I haven't been there. I keep working on Fridays, so I haven't been there on Fridays. But yeah, when you show up, there's...
1: Yeah. Well, when Kevin's around, it's funny, dude. That guy, they, he drives mm-hmm. a certain level of energy and uh, at the gym. Mm-hmm. And like When he's there, more people show up on Friday. Mm-hmm. And when he's not, they don't. And I don't even know if it's a conscious thing on their part or whatever. But it's like, so he's back. I, I assume that we'll get, because that was a thing, like the last two weeks, he was out of town hunting. And so, dude, I walked in, uh, yeah, last night and the night before, and it's like, dude, fucking tumbleweed's blowing across the mat. Like There was like five of us there. It was like, we had six last night. So, and yeah, usually though, you yeah, like fucking dozen people on the mat at least. At least. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, uh, but yeah, Saturday, I'm looking forward to getting some... Rounds Some in the day. rounds in, yeah. Had a couple good ones with Callum. Nice. Last night, him and Angela were there. So that kid's a gorilla. He is a gorilla. Fuck. Dude, Angela is getting better. That's good. She's taking taking to your lessons. That's good. Looking for the back. She's she's like looking for shit. You know, she sees an elbow, and she's, like, snatching up a figure four (laughs) grip. And it's like, whoa, what's going on here? She's
0: channeling some anger, finally putting it into it. Dude, I guess. just angry baking, it's becoming, like, angry jujitsu. She
1: surprised me last night. I put myself in kind of a silly position. Not, like, real silly, but just a little silly for a second. Mm -hmm. And, dude, she fucking, like, jumped on my back. I was like, whoa. Whoa. Whoa, what's (laughs) going on here? I
0: didn't know you knew how to do (laughs) this. Yeah, this this is...
1: This is not, uh, yeah, normal, so. <laughs> it was funny, though, but I remember, yeah, she's, uh, she's definitely getting... That's good. ...getting better, man, which, that's the thing, man, if you keep showing up...
0: it's and it's tough, like, when you put a lot of years into jiu-jitsu, you have, like, big times to where, like, the, the improvements are just little bits, and they're hard to see, and then all of a sudden you'll get, like, a nice little bump. Yeah. You're like, oh, this person got better. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah that's, uh... That is good. That's what I'm seeing from my gorillas at at Frida. I think they'll be there today. Will they? Yeah. So that's good. Yeah, yeah. We were doing like Shark Tank rounds on Thursday with those two dudes, man. Fucking Ken and Adam. Those guys are
0: they're both huge,
1: big dudes, man. Yeah. And uh, I went over single leg X and ankle lock shit on a couple weeks ago and. Yeah. Adam is oh like, oh. He's so, he's so long. Yeah.
0: He gets you in like X guard, any sort of X guard and just can extend you out. Yeah. Like, good Lord. I know. Been, Dude, he's like, a,
1: he's like a fucking giant version of me as a white belt. Because he, all he wants to do is pull you in a closed guard or single leg X now. Mm-hmm. Like that is what he's doing and he, he won't get up
0: the, he's got the build for it too yeah his, his, he's so tall yeah his limbs are so long
1: dude as soon as he figures out to get an elbow underneath him every once in a while and not just stay flat on his back again it's like it, but that it took me forever to figure that out because you're so my legs are more mobile when i'm on my back mm-hmm. and as soon as i go to my elbow it's like a little less mobility on the lower body but, you know, him and I were talking, like, we both come from a cycling background, and so he's like, I just, I feel really comfortable using my legs. I like using my legs, and that's how I was, and so that's why, like, on your back, and you feel like you can move your legs around more, you're in better shape, mm-hmm. but, yeah, recognizing, like, oh, like, I've got position here. If I just get up on my elbow, you I know, it, capitalize I capitalize, you know, it's even better than getting my legs around them, getting on top of them. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, yeah, man, it's, uh, yeah, it's fun coaching those guys and seeing them seeing them progress so
0: cool let's well, call it a wrap yeah man
1: let's go
0: eat a little snack eat A little go snack train go train so,
2: see ya see ya thank you for listening to the grumpy guy bjj podcast
0: thank you all for listening you can find us on podbean apple podcast spotify and wherever else you listen to podcast please make sure to subscribe and leave us a review it really does help and will allow us to keep putting out episodes If you have any questions, comments, or ideas, hit us up at grumpyguybjj at gmail.com. Also, go to our website, grumpyguybjj.com, and get signed up for podcast updates and get our free BJJ Improvement Starter Kit. That's it for now, so get on the mat, train hard, and talk to you all next week. Doggy school, foggy cool, got a froggy all-time holly dude Now they're calling Daisy Duke, hanging by the lace of their shoes No trace of the tools, shaped your face. fuck the rules Snooze you lose, one eye always open, in times two No clue, but soon a brief monsoon suit might give you a view to choose Stay tuned, include, won't conclude To the end is near, beware, there's consequences
2: But what you do To me, you a devil of many levels. I keep on beating for several of them. Rebels, me, myself, he died. Me, myself, he died.